Hello and welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast, the show that empowers you to wake up to your full potential and achieve your biggest goals and dreams. I am your host, Hal Elrod, and I invite you to join us each week as we share actionable strategies to take your life to the next level, as well as interview world-class experts and entrepreneurs who have achieved extraordinary goals themselves, and we ask them to give you a peek behind the curtain and teach you exactly what you need to do to do the same. Ready? Here we go. Welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast. I am your host, Hal Elrod, and uh, thanks for joining me today. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, On today's episode, we are going to talk about focusing on your finances in 2021. I'm joined by a friend of mine I've known for over 15 years. He used to coach with me, and now I coach with him, interestingly enough, on finances. He's an expert in helping you to track your finances, increase your income, grow your savings, and ultimately grow your wealth. And I think you're going to really enjoy this conversation. Before we dive into it, though, I want to thank our my friends, actually, I should say, my friends at Organifi and for sponsoring the episode today. When I say friends, I mean literally my friends. I From the founder, Drew Canoli, who I've known for many years, to uh, Niels, to Shanna, to Lisa, I'm just running through the team in my head here, Uh, but I've spent time with their executive team and they are on a mission to help people transform our health through daily nutrition. And while it can be difficult to get all the nutrients that we need in our food nowadays, they provide food-based organic supplements such as green juice powder and red juice powder and protein powder and immunity products. There's all sorts of things that will help you on your health journey. So if you want to improve your health in any way, whether it's lose weight, put on muscle, improve your immunity or anything in between, go to Organifi.com forward slash Hal. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I, Organifi.com forward slash Hal. And then check out the products. And if you find something you like, Use HAL at checkout. H-A-L is the discount code, and you'll get 15% off your entire order. So again, I've used their products for years. I take them every day. I hope you find something there that you love as much as I do. All right, let's dive into today's episode. I want to introduce Robert before you hear our conversation. And Robert Gonzalez, he's the founder and COO of MyBooks.Pro. They are a profitability and bookkeeping company that works with individuals, entrepreneurs. They work with a lot of realtors. I know that. And uh, and just small business owners in general. And I mentioned I've known Robert for 15 years. And I was actually his coach back in 2009 when he owned and operated a sales franchise in Northern California where we both lived. And Robert was one of the top managers in our company. And he quickly emerged to uh, generate over a million dollars in annual revenue his third year with the company, putting him in the top, I think, 2% uh, of everybody that were his colleagues. And when Robert isn't working with numbers, you can find him traveling with his wife, Natalie. They've been to over 15 countries. And I think one of my favorite fun facts about Robert is he is a semi-professional bowler that has bowled 20 perfect 300 games. That is impressive. 20 perfect games. And Robert started consulting back in 2014, and he helped grow a startup company's revenue from a million dollars to over $10 million and began coaching other businesses. He became QuickBooks Online Certified in 2017, and then he founded MyBooks.Pro. And I've been working with 
mybooks.pro and his business partner doing the same thing that mybooks.pro does before they were mybooks.pro since 2004. So what is that? 16 years I've been working with his business partner and then transitioned to work with him. So I'm a big fan. And today's conversation, I think you're going to get a lot out of this. Really are some important reminders now that we're at the beginning of the year. What are some of the mistakes people make when starting a new year? around our financial goals. So I really hope you get a lot of value out of the conversation today. And this helps you to improve your finances in 2021 and beyond. Without further ado, my conversation with Robert Gonzalez. Enjoy. Robert, it's good to see you, brother. Good to see you. Good to see you, man. It's a, how long have we known each other? What is it? 2021? And it's uh, at least 15. It's got to be f- at least 15 years. 15 years. I it love- makes me feel old when you ask things like that. I know. Huh? That is really weird, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's really weird. That's almost half our lives, dude. Uh, right. Yeah. Right. And I'm 41, so not quite half of mine, but you're a little little younger than me. How old are you, by the way? 35. <laughs> so not Early by much. 30, dude. Uh, so for anybody listening, when I, uh, Robert and I, uh, we knew each other, we, we were in the same company. And then I coached Robert when he was running an office and Robert ran one of the top offices in our entire company. So I can't believe you're only 35, man. You are wise beyond your years. Man, thank you for that. I, I would say the same about you, but you've got a four as your first digit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, but it's like, a, I don't know if you can, how young. No, 40 is the new 30. Didn't you hear that? 40 is okay. the new 30. I'll get yeah. it. So, so here's the thing. The reason I brought you on today, your, your expertise is in the financial realm. And I have worked with, well, the essentially the previous company that became the company that you currently uh, operate. Uh, My Books Pro when it was rising stock, and that was in 2003. So I've literally been working with you guys for you know as long as 17 years, and we still yeah. work together. And so your expertise is in the area of finances, helping people with their finances. And so because this is the Achieve Your Goals podcast, everybody, almost everybody, it's safe to say, has financial goals. And I think that it's an area that a lot of people struggle with. And I know before I started working with you guys, you know, I struggled to manage and track my finances just because I'm not that person, right? Like I don't, I'm not the accountant brain where I want to look at the data and I want to analyze my numbers and I want to track everything on spreadsheets. For me, it was you know, always waiting till the last minute, like, oh, tax time is next week. Oh, shoot. I got to figure out how to collect all my receipts. And, and it was just a nightmare every year. And that's one, that's probably the biggest thing you guys saved me from. And so what I want to, and the first question I want to ask is, what are some of the common mistakes that you do see people make at the beginning of the year, right? We're in January right now. So what are the common mistakes that people make? This is a, this is a great question because People and especially business owners and entrepreneurs, they wait till what you just said, April, Mm, and then it gets to April and they file that cool thing that they think is cool called an extension, (laughs) the October. And I think the biggest mistake here is, is they're not evaluating the year that just ended. So the Mm. transformation that I see with people we work with and clients is that we have a hard deadline in our company of January 15th. Everyone has their data from the previous year. Because they're in that habit now of looking at last year and saying, how can we improve this year? And you made a good point. Everyone has financial goals. And we hear people say it. Hey, I have a goal this year of saving $20,000 or saving $50,000. And last year, they saved zero. There's only two ways to have more mass of money. 
And one is you either going to make more or two, you're going to spend less. So for people that are on the same income, and you know, when I say same, they're getting a 3% raise every couple of years. That's really hard to spend $20,000 less in order to save it, you know, unless there's some new income stream. Now, for people who have a variable income, it may be a little easier to do the make more side of it. So when they set goals of, you know, I'm going to save 20K, but then wait till April hmm. to do their taxes, even if it's a simple tax filing process, you're still looking at the past year when you file taxes. That's a big common mistake is not evaluating what just happened. And, and this is a financial goal, just like a business goal or a life goal is you go off previous data and build on that, right? And so if people are really good about their fitness or they're really good about their income and tracking goals and creating and projecting new ones, but then they're really bad at the financial side, it's hard to say you're setting a goal on the finance and then waiting till April to file taxes or you know even October in some cases. Yeah, which essentially, when they file the extension, it's just, oh, I'm going to repeat the same procrastination back in October, (laughs) right? It's it's like, oh, it sneaks up on you again, you know, and then and then you're dealing with it, uh, putting out the fires and kind of at the last minute. I want to pause and I want to I just realized that people may not know what you do. And so in terms of your, you know, for me, it was it's always been tracking my finances, every dollar, everywhere that it comes from, separating it into categories, into personal. And I guess it's kind of something, in fact, actually, here's here's a question. I want to play devil's advocate. Couldn't I do what you do? And not that I would, which is why I use you, right? <laughs> but theoretically, is there is is working with you or what you guys do any different than me entering all of these numbers by myself every week, every month into QuickBooks? Yes and no. There are plenty of people that they at least try to do it on their own. Yeah. And what they find out is it's hard because there's professionals that can do it in half the time mm. or it's just time consuming. Yeah. And they just don't want to do it. But yeah, they could. And you know what? For the one out of a hundred sick person in the world that is working their job or working their life for their whole day and then at night want to spend two hours every week yeah. on entering stuff in their books, hey, more power to them. And I'm usually friends with that person. I'm not mad at them because they're usually like me. They're like you. Yeah, 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 exactly. They like doing that kind of thing. (laughs) They like like it. But for the people that don't enjoy it or they just don't even want to try to learn how to do it, that's that's where we come in. We we track finances. Yeah. We're we're not financial advisors, although my business partner, that is one of his actual job titles. He's a certified financial planner. And And a fellow front row dad and one of my good friends, Adam Stock. Yeah. Adam Stock. Yeah. So yeah, we have the layup recommendation to a financial advisor, but we're not accountants either. We're the ones that make accountants jobs easier. And we're the ones that make financial planners jobs easier and our clients job or clients lives a lot easier. Yeah. Yeah. And at a, at a much at a affordable rate, I was paying my accountant, I think to do my books every month, like 1200 bucks a month. And we don't charge you that. Can we start? Is I that know you guys charge me a no. fraction and you do a better That's job. It. Like he literally, no offense. I, I love, I love my CPA, but, but their accounting would be, I'd get a report and it would be like the categories were like, uh, and I'm exaggerating, but it was like business, personal, you know, like, like they were these, these huge categories. And I'm like, but I don't, <laughs> you split my income into like six categories. Like, I don't know where it's actually going. So yeah. Yeah. So, I, so yeah, that's, I, that's 
And, and you said the right thing, which is you love your accountant, but your accountant's job is to prepare and file taxes. Whereas the tracking and categorizing, because that's all we do, we can get really specific with it. And I think that's why our clients like it. Like, could they do it on their own and make all those categories and split them all? They sure could, but it would really take a long time. Um, yeah, yeah. Here's my shameless plug is that that's probably the competitive advantage over an accountant is we will do that. We put it in as many categories as someone wants. Yeah. Yeah. And, and actually, Tiffany, my assistant talks about that. She's on the phone with, I can't remember the member of your team. What's her name? Probably Kristen. Kristen. And uh, Tiffany just raves about her. She's like, dude, she will take, she's so detail oriented. She takes so much time to comb through everything. I'm really impressed with it. And I'm like, Tiffany is always, you know, she vets everybody out and uh, she's been really impressed. So I want to talk about for everybody listening, you know, one of the things, so I asked first and foremost, the common mistake that you see people make, especially at the beginning of the year, right? And that being that they wait, you know, they didn't look at their numbers, they didn't track things along the way. So on kind of along the same vein, talk about the importance of milestones. You know, I think that for, and before you do, let me just say this. I, you know, I've talked about in the past, like when I did early episodes of the Achieve Your Goals podcast, I talk about the how, how most people will set a goal and then they don't really review it until the end of the year. Like they just set out their goals of this annual ritual and then they don't really look at them again. And then the year ends and they pull out, you know, they go, oh yeah, my goals from last year. Oh, I forgot about these. Like, did I hit any of these? Oh, I hit one. Cool. And I didn't, you know, but it's like, you've got to, it's got to be top of mind. And so, but, you know, setting something and then forgetting about something and waiting a year to revisit it, reevaluate it is detrimental. So I want you, I've heard you talk about, and you've taught me, you know, the importance of setting milestones. So I'd love for you to talk about that. Thank you for that. And it's awesome to hear I've taught you something because um, <laughs> you used to teach me all this stuff. I mean, um, after all I've taught you over the years, it's the least you could do to teach me something. <laughs> teach you this one thing. Yeah. <laughs> So, so we've probably heard this analogy or story of I would hit the target every time in archery if it was three feet from me, right? This concept kind of comes from that. So instead of setting a financial goal, because goals have deadlines, you set a financial target, right? And maybe it starts as a goal. Like, like let's say the example of you know someone who says, I'm going to save $25,000 more than I saved last year, or I'm just going to save $25,000. And they start it with a goal of the year. Well, I would just tell them to reverse engineer it and make it a target. My target is save 25K. In order to save 25K, I need to save $2,500 10 times. So the first milestone is them breaking that down. And their milestone is I need to save $2,500 as soon as possible. Now, because it's the first time they ventured out towards this target, they're probably going to take longer than when they actually do achieve the target, right? So this first milestone of 2,500 bucks, let's say it takes them two months, okay? First off, they're not going to beat themselves up because they hit a milestone. That's great. The second thing is, is they have to give themselves some grace and say, hey, this is awesome. I hit my milestone, but my next milestone, instead of maybe it taking me two months or eight weeks, it takes me seven weeks this next time. So I'm going to get better. And here's what I'm going to do to get better. And so they celebrate the milestone and then they set themselves on that next milestone because they know it just takes 10 milestones to hit that target. Hmm. And it's just the, the time it takes the milestone is what gets improvement. And sometimes when we reverse engineer our goals and just say, hey, in order to 
have a $25,000 saved. I have to save $2,000 every month this month. Month one ends and there's 500 bucks in the bank and you feel off track and there goes the goal. Well, give yourself some grace along the way and that it's going to be harder at the beginning. So set the milestone, however long it takes you to set, hit the milestone, just make sure it doesn't take that long the next time you hit that milestone and give yourself some grace, celebrate the win, especially in finances, because this is not a skill many people have. It's yeah. not like you went through some lifelong training or even a three-day crash course on how to save. It wasn't taught in school. So you're kind of learning as you go. So when you hit that first milestone, celebrate, give yourself some grace, and just make sure when you hit that milestone the next time, it doesn't take as long. Yeah. And I think that just, just you know, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time, right? When, when we make things into more bite-sized chunks, it's uh, it also gives us a chance to, instead of having, you know, setting a goal and either hitting it or feeling like we failed at the end of the year, if you do it in milestones, it's like, oh, I failed at that goal. So how can I adjust? And right, it's like, instead of it being all or nothing for a 12 month period, it's all or nothing for a one month period, right? And then, you know, it's, it's a lot easier to have a bad month or to then to throw the whole year away because you weren't being, you know, diligent about just paying attention along the way. Yeah. And as a little bonus tip, those uh, milestones, they get knocked down faster and faster when the why is strong enough. And I know you've talked about the why on previous podcasts where you know you set that goal of 25K to save. If you're just setting it to set it, that's not too strong of a why. But if it's, hey, I'm going to put my down payment on my first house for my family, or you know, I'm going to save into the kid's college fund with that, those whys become a lot stronger and makes it a lot easier to push through the learning curve of the first couple milestones. I'm glad you brought that up because I think that that's extremely important for people to understand is the why it's crucial. The why is what fuels your drive and your desire and your ability to overcome obstacles, keep pushing forward, you know, dig deep for motivation. I think that's so important because I think for a lot of people, and I know for me, I always had financial goals because we're taught that money's important. You know, being a millionaire is cool, right? Like all these things. And I remember I had a goal of I wanted to be a millionaire. When I was 20, I started in sales and I started making a lot of money and I was very optimistic. And I'm like, I'll be a millionaire by the time I'm 25. But I had no why. It was just because that would be really cool to be able to say that I was a millionaire when I was 25. And then I turned 25 and I had maybe a few thousand bucks saved. I mean, you know, not much. And I went, man, okay, let's reset. And okay, I'll do it by 30. I just thought, let's choose the next five years. And then when I was 30, I was like 50 grand in debt. <laughs> like, like I was, I had my first house. I was a mess, you know? And then I had a baby my or my wife had a baby at our daughter. And then that's when I started doing the miracle morning and using affirmations. And for me, it was, I'm committed to, and I don't even know if I'm, I don't think even mil, millionaire was even the number anymore, but it was like to create financial freedom for my family so that I can, you know, so that I can provide security for them and the lifestyle that we want and deserve. And once I, and I read that every single day and I stayed, it stayed top of mind every single day. And the why is what drove me. And five years later, I had, I had hit the financial goal that I set. And it wasn't until I got really clear, because again, money in and of itself isn't motivating because here's what happens. We default to how much we need to get by. That's what we do as human beings. We take the path of least resistance and you go, yeah, it'd be fun to make more. It'd be fun to save more. That'd be cool. But I'd rather watch Netflix and chill right now, right? I'd rather sleep in a little bit longer right? Eh, I don't want to do that thing that I'm scared of, you know? And so it, it takes a strong, compelling why 
to to drive us and fuel us to do the things necessary to, uh, to you know to get to the things that we want. So I, I'm glad that you said that. Yeah, that's great. And you you did bring up a small sub point there, which is we default into what we need to get by, and typically we try to find new income or make more when that get by amount becomes more instead of the other way. Instead of I'm going to make more so I can be free. Mm. So I can be financially free. And if this new expense comes, I'm ready for it. Imagine that shift in in your mindset when it came to money. I, you know, I'm going to make more. I'm going to succeed at a higher level so that when that water heater goes out, I don't have to put it on a credit card. I've got that five grand. I'm ready. Here we go. On to the next obstacle. Yeah. Difference in financial mindset, right? And it's it's great to hear that after a couple of tries, you got there. Yeah. 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 A couple, a decade. I got there. <laughs> a couple of five year tries. I needed shorter milestones. I could have got there a lot faster. Um, <laughs> you, kept hitting, you kept setting that million milestone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it was always five years out. All right. I'll do it by 25. Now nah, 30. Now nah, 35. Right. So I want to actually ask your opinion on a financial strategy that I learned and I really resonated with uh, from Mark Lovis, who was a mentor of mine. I don't know. Did you know Mark back in the day? Yeah. I actually worked with Mark at Truemaker. Oh, that's right. Okay. So yeah, you know Mark. Yeah, yeah. Very well. So Mark, uh, I heard him teach this once, or maybe actually he might've taught this to me when I was with him in Seattle. Either way, it was the way that I interpret it is instead of setting a budget, right? Where you're counting like, okay, I'm only going to spend this much in this category and this much on groceries and this much. Again, for some people, accountant type brains, that works. You know, for the rest of us, like, I'm never going to do it. I'm not going to monitor every dollar and where it goes, right? So I loved Mark's strategy. And it was essentially set a savings goal. And he said, this is actually what he did. He said, I set a savings goal every year, how much I'm committed to saving. And then I spend the rest on whatever the hell I want. And, uh, you know, and, and I go, I just, you know, I let that sink in. I go, I love that. That sounds way better than budgeting. Then tracking every, if I, if I commit that of every paycheck I get, I will save 10% or a thousand dollars or, you know, whether you use a percentage or a specific amount, I'm going to save it. No, it's, and, and the automatic savings is such a crucial strategy. I think it's David Bach, the automatic millionaire, right? Where that was, that's, I mean, that's basically the whole premise of the book is just create your, use technology, use your bank to create automatic savings. And for me, I use like Capital One 360, where I have a separate bank from my Wells Fargo account so that I'm not tempted by going, oh, my savings is growing and I really need that money, you know, or even just the mindset of you see it sitting there and you feel like, well, I don't need to work as hard or make as much because I've got that cushion and I, I can spend out of that and then I can just make it again, right? We play these mental gymnastics to talk ourselves out of doing things that we should do. So Anyway, I would love to hear what what are your thoughts on that as a strategy where instead of budgeting, you just set a savings goal, you you pay yourself first, you pay the savings first, and then you just spend the rest on whatever you want. First off, that's how my wife and I budget. That's nice. It is. I don't even know if it's called budgeting when that's <laughs> the mission. The mission is save X amount this year and contribute. X amount this year. Nice. So you brought up to something that I teach to 18 to 20 year olds when they ask me, how do I become financially independent? There's four stages of financial freedom. Number one is survival. And that is you think about which bills you can delay paying and you're robbing Peter to pay Paul. And it's like that survival mentality of like, I'm just making enough to pay the bills and get by. 
Okay. And when you're ready to graduate from survival, you cover all your bills and you do it on time. There's no late fees. Okay. When you reach number two, the second level, which is most where most people are at is stability. Hmm. You slowly build up cash reserves. You get a bonus here and there. You know, you started to buy things like a car. You can afford a car. You at least are saving for taxes. If you're, you know, an independent contractor or your business owner, you're saving for taxes. So that's where most people are at. And then when they start to get to the third level, which is, you know, the rest of most people, that's, we call that the success. And that means they've paid off any high interest debt. They own a home. They have bigger cash reserves. So they have that rainy day fund. And they maybe start to contribute to a retirement account because their employer says to do so, or maybe it's a tax strategy. What you're talking about is the fourth level of financial freedom, which is significance. And the way we feel significant money-wise is we have savings that are our number one mission with finances. And our number two or 1A mission is contribution and leaving a legacy, Hmm. right? And when those two things have become your number one and your primary financial focus, the bills figure themselves out. I think it's just because you've learned how to spend correctly, Hmm. right? You don't anymore look at how much is in my bank account. Okay, I can buy that. That's not how you buy anymore. Hmm. You're starting to be savvy about when you use your credit card. Do I really need that? Right. And that's why you hear, hey, most millionaires are millionaires because they're not dumb with their spending. Yeah. They're just savvy. And they do. They they have a very philanthropic brain and they understand the value of savings. Right. If I were my I'm about to have be a dad, which is exciting. And congratulations, man. Wh- wh- when roughly March, beginning of March, first week of March. Ah, uh, congrats. So exciting, man. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think about when people have kids. How do you have significance with leaving a legacy for your kids when it comes to money? Like, I hate to think like this, but once in a while, I revert to the brain of like, if I were to not be here tomorrow, would my kids be okay? Yeah. Would my kids be okay? And that's that saving brain that you just talked about. And it's very powerful because when you can get to that point, and like you said, you booby trapped yourself, something we talk about a lot in finances, you put it in a separate account than your main bank. Yeah. There, and there's apps that do that for you now too, where it's a pain in the butt to get that money out. Yeah. That's what you want. That's real savings. Yeah. Yeah. So the four stages of financial freedom, we've got survival, stability. Uh, I, forget, I missed number three, success. Success. Got it. I want to touch ahead. on contribution because this was big for me. I, I'm trying to think. I was in my 20s, I think, and I really, uh, I always had it on my heart. I wanted to donate more to charity. At one point, I had this realization. I forgot. I don't know if I was reading a book or what, but I just, I thought, I want to donate half of my income to charity. I want to get to that point. And, and my, and I thought, and I'll write a book called, and, and I pictured the cover. It was the number one, a, you know, a slash sign. I guess you call it a slash sign. And then the number one, it was like one and one. It was the idea that like, yeah. you know, if for every $2 I earn, one goes to me, one goes to people that weren't born in the place I was born with the same parents that have the same opportunities that I do that are simply, they just don't have the same opportunities, period. Right. And so, and that was really my heart. I thought, wow, what a neat way. Gosh, I don't know if that's socialism, but I was gonna say if everybody kind of <laughs> lived that way, but right where we just, we help each other, you know, and that's my spirit is, is there. And so the way that I did it, cause I always felt like I can't afford to donate any of my income, I'm, I'm barely making it. It was actually coming. Oh, now I do remember it was coming off 2008. And I read the book, the millionaire mindset by mm. T Harv Eker. 
And he talks about setting up your uh, like five different bank accounts, you know, one for expenses, which is 50% of your income. Mm -hmm. And then 10% goes to contribution. 10% goes to personal development. 10% goes to fun, just stuff that you don't need, but you just want to, you know, enjoy. You want to have um, yeah. 10% goes to your long-term financial freedom, like retirement. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if I'm missing a 10% in there, but he talks about setting up these accounts. And, and this was a game changer for me. I set up the accounts and he said, look, right now you may not have enough money to even pay your bills. Maybe you're struggling at that time coming off 2008. I was, I, I couldn't, you know, I was in debt. And, but I, but I really believed in the philosophy and he talked about how, when you have your focus on needing to earn 50% of your income to pay all of your bills, because the other 50% is allocated for contribution and fun and retirement. And you know what I mean? All of these other things, growth. He said, you're expanding your financial possibilities because right now, most people think I need this much money to live, which means I need to earn exactly that much money to live. He goes, if all of a sudden you go, I need this much money to live, but I need 50% more to pay all these other areas. He said, you're essentially doubling the income that you are figuring out how to earn in your mind. And so I went, okay, I'm going to try this. And, and, he, and he talked about this kind of woo woo thing where he's like, look, start focusing on this and your income will increase. Yeah. And I was like, all right, well, I, I would love for my income to increase, so I'll try this. So I set up all the accounts and his advice was like, put a dollar in each of the other five accounts until you can do more, right? Just put every month, even if you can't pay the bills, you're struggling, just everybody can pull five bucks out, right? He said, yep. just to create the habit. And I started with a dollar in each of those accounts every time I got money. And then it grew from $1 to five to 10 to 50 to a hundred to 50% of my income. And it was in, it was amazing how, and I can't remember how long it took, but it was less than a year. It was like six months. I doubled my income. In fact, it was actually the two months after I started Miracle Morning, because that was the book I was reading. It was all kind of coincided. But anyway, I share all of that because, you know, what you said earlier just reminded me that what we focus on, you know, it becomes our reality and we can expand our ability. If you're just trying to get by, you're only ever going to get by. Yep. And you mentioned contributing, you know, to charity, to other causes. That for me, when I committed with the Miracle Morning, that 10% would go to charity. That was kind of the first step in going, all right, if I'm ever going to get to that 50%, I got to start somewhere. And I started at 10%. And now, you know, the Miracle Morning, we, I say we, because it's, to me, it's everyone that bought the book, have donated over $500,000 to charity. And that all started with that commitment to $1, $1 out of every paycheck went to charity. And then that grew. And so I'm just, I, I invite everybody listening to consider that, to consider not just living with this mentality where you're trying to pay the bills. But imagine you've got to think beyond that if you're ever going to get beyond that, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And and I think you brought up a point that you started to earn more. For those of you who are very happy with your income and it's a W-2 job, but you don't see the fruits that we're talking about, it's usually you start with where your spending habits are at. And the only piece of advice I can give anyone, and this includes people who can control their income, right? And they're just like, oh, cool, I'm going to make more to make this happen, is there's a very important habitual thought. And it all started back when someone said, hey, when you're about to buy something, think, do I need this? Hmm. Well, we that's evolved because we, we live in a buy now society, right? There's a new iPhone that comes out every year. There's new this, new that, and you've got to have the most current. Well, instead of thinking, do I need this? Think, have I contributed or saved 
the amount I'm about to spend. So mm-hmm. have I contributed or saved the amount I'm about to spend? So if the purchase you're about to make is not a necessity, it's one of those things where you think you are you need it. It's the new iPhone or whatever, and it's three hundred dollars. Have you saved or contributed that same three hundred before you're about to do the same thing with this new three hundred dollars? Or are you robbing those two core philosophies of saving and contribution in order to get the new iPhone? I love that, and I would the way that I would word that for me would be to earn the right to get the iPhone, right? Earn the right. I like it. Yeah. Earn the right. Save it first and then earn the right to spend it. You know, I love that. Robert, well, this is, this is great, man. I, you remind me of what the last 15 years working with you and Adam has been, you know, why it's been so valuable for me. If somebody listening wants to go deeper, where should they go if they want to connect with you and, and learn more about what you guys do and how you can help them? So because I am a big fan of Hal and the people that listen to Hal, and that's you, I offer a strategy session and we can talk about anything from something going inside your business. You're trying to connect about services that we provide. It's typically $197. bucks. i am going to offer it free for the first 30 people that sign up. Yeah, you better um, limit it because... <laughs> you're I, better limit get, I don't want my schedule just jammed. You need hundreds these. of people. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to say thir- the first 30... And so I won't invoice you. You go to calendly.com slash mybookspro. And if you want to just meet me virtually on our website, it's mybooks.pro. And there is a link to our Calendly on there as well. But calendly.com, mybookspro. And uh, you'll be able to connect with me. Free strategy session, first 30 people listening. And uh, I can't wait to connect. I I love helping people with stuff like this. That's awesome. That, that's generous of you, Robert. And just to spell it, Calendly, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, it's C-A-L-E-N-D-L-Y, correct? Yes. Calendly.com forward slash my books pro. Get a free call with Robert. And by the way, I know Robert, he's not going to be hard selling you on, on working with him. I'm sure it's an opportunity if you want. But uh, but yeah, I think, if I, honestly, if I were you, I would take advantage of it 100%. So Robert, what's good Thanks catching up with you, on. brother? You too. You too. Yeah. Always good to see you. And congrats on your uh, your baby. That's really exciting. Yeah. Now a lot of people know I dropped. Yeah. That. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this was the official announcement on the Achieve Your Goals podcast. I uh, love it, dude. That's funny. You're, hopefully, you don't get any calls from any relatives. They're like, "What in the heck? You didn't tell me you were having a baby." You're like, "Oh." <laughs> I think they all know. I really hope they do. I think they all know. That's funny. So, cool. Yeah. All right, brother. Well, appreciate you and uh, goal achievers. Thank you for tuning in. I hope today helped you think a little differently or a lot differently about your finances and how you approach them, how you track them. And uh, if you want to take advantage of that call with Robert, uh, I think it'd be a great use of your time. So love you and appreciate you. And I will talk to y'all next week. Take care, everybody. Thanks for listening. To learn more about the Achieve Your Goals podcast and to get access to today's show notes, transcript, and exclusive content from Hal Elrod, visit halelrod.com forward slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the Achieve Your Goals podcast.